It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12. The podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 conference. Forget the SEC. Forget the Big 10. And forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks. The Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 podcast and subscribe today. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Danny Mitz. Today we are recapping a much, much better than expected game for the Kansas Jayhawks against TCU, specifically a much better game for Mitch Lightfoot than I was expecting. Got to apologize to Mitch off the top, because honestly, I didn't think you had it in for your second game in a row, and uh, I now bow to my March overlord, Mitch Lightfoot. But uh, but uh, helping me to recap this game, look forward to the championship that's coming up this evening, is uh, Deputy Editor over at Blue Wings Rising, David Potter. David, how you doing today? Good. Glad to uh, still be talking about KU's Big 12 run on Saturday. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and honestly, like, I think the biggest thing, I, I, I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I don't care so much about the Big 12 tournament itself. Like, yes, it's great to win it. It's great to have that piece of hardware. And I'm sure that the guys that are playing in it really do want to win it because they're playing. Um, but I think this is a lot more, or I should say, I am much more excited about what this potentially means for a run through the NCAA tournament. Like the fact that this team looks to be firing on all cylinders right now are getting really good contributions from the bench players. Like it seems like everything is coming together at exactly the right time. Something that we all were worried about even just last week when Kansas went through two consecutive games against TCU and a game against Texas, like coming off the regular season. I don't think anybody actually saw this coming. Like, were you as shocked by this as I was? I was. I'm. I'm wondering if maybe those that that stretch were because they had to make up the game against TCU. They played four games in eight days. 
um, maybe was wearing on them a little more than I gave it credit for. And then the, the, the break in between that final game of the regular season and starting the, the big 12 tournament might've rejuvenated them a little bit. And that might, uh, might might be contributing to getting them clicking on all cylinders and you know coming off back-to-back wins now especially one over a TCU team that looked like they were just going to be really diff- a difficult matchup for Kansas after seeing them play back-to-back just a week before and they they pretty much cruised past them last night so I'm wondering if maybe the fatigue factor was uh was uh weighing on them a little more than I thought it would yeah, I mean, I would also be willing to hear an argument that maybe potentially, you know, Mike Miles for TCU, because, I mean, he he had a decent game, but it also wasn't one where, like, he was taking things over in a lot of cases like I thought he probably would. Um, it was clear, I thought, to me at least, that, that maybe or that he was being affected by that ankle injury that he suffered against Texas. Um, maybe it's not quite as big of a deal as it seemed like it was. Like, so maybe that's a little bit of confirmation bias on my end, but... Um, it definitely seemed like, like, I, I think that that's a reasonable excuse for, for what happened or a reasonable, I should say explanation. It's not an excuse if it's actually true. <laughs> so like, I, I think that's a reasonable explanation for maybe why Kansas came out so high, but I definitely think that there's an element of it that this Kansas team is just, it's absolutely clicking on all cylinders right now. And so, I mean, I, I talked about him in the opening. I think the, the first guy to talk about is actually Mitch Lightfoot. So looking at what he did. Like, that was just an absolutely phenomenal performance from him. For the second straight game in a row, according to Ken Palm, he was the MVP of the Jayhawks. He had 25 minutes, got 15 points on five of six shooting from two. He was one of two from three, which I thought was absolutely hilarious, that that three-pointer that he made, especially since Ochai was, like, right next to him and wide open. You know, I I don't remember who said it on Twitter, but someone said, with with Ochai open right next to him, you know Bill was going to get onto him for taking that shot if if he, if it hadn't gone in. Um, but he was two of two from the line, had four total rebounds. Uh, let's see, had one assist, two blocks, two steals. Like, he was doing pretty much everything last night. It was an absolutely phenomenal performance from him. Um, I mean, first of all, how shocked were you by what Mitch did in this game and the game prior? And then second of all, how likely do you think it is that he's going to be able to continue this going into the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that's something that we should probably count on moving forward. I, I think he's certainly capable of giving you good contributions here and there. And the, you know, the fact that he, um, you know, didn't pick up four or five quick fouls in both these two games allowed him to kind of show off that he does have some skill that we don't always give him credit for because a lot of the time he's kind of in and out of the game fairly quickly. Um, but just the fact that he's on a roll and showing that, you know, he's got a couple of post moves that he still is capable of hitting a three. And uh, he's always been a pretty good shot blocker, you know, in, in short, short bursts. Um, you know, the fact that he can give us that while David McCormick is obvious. I, I think it's pretty clear Bill Self's trying to limit McCormick's minutes as much as possible because of that, that foot injury. I don't doubt that, you know, if this is a really tough game against Texas Tech, that McCormick's going to play as much as, as he needs to. But I, I think that's definitely been a, a factor in his uh, limited minutes so far. Um, so I I wasn't shocked that, that Lightfoot was able to do what he's been able to do. But I think what we're seeing is pretty much the ceiling of what he can do and probably not something we could, you know, reasonably expect to see going into the tournament on a night-to-night basis. 
Yeah, I think really what it does is it it assuages any fears about what's going to happen if McCormick is off, right? Like, yes, you you can't expect that Mitch Lightfoot's going to be able to pick up and do all of this stuff throughout the entire tournament. But we have now seen him be very successful against very difficult matchups on the inside. Like, I would say specifically, you know, Lampkin on the inside is a is a beast to deal with. Mitch seemed yeah. to be playing against him really well, putting up, you know, really good numbers against him specifically, and challenging him really well, which is not something I would have said, like off the top of my head, is something that, that Lightfoot could have done prior to this game. So it's definitely one of those things. Whether he's just feeling it, is in the groove right now, and doing a lot better than than you know his his actual baseline, or if this is him making significant strides, you know, big improvement, and it's something that we can go to him for you know fifteen minutes a game in the tournament. I think that's great. I think the big worry that we always had you know, with guys like KJ Adams and Zach Clements not getting a bunch of minutes was, was more just say, what if David McCormick's off, right? Or what if David McCormick isn't a good matchup um, for a particular player? Like he's not quick enough or, you know, can't, doesn't have enough range. Mitch Lightfoot isn't like elite at any of those things, but he is more than passable at being able to do all of those sorts of things. Um, and so if he, if he is on like this, then it gives you that second option that if you need to change a pace, because we know that, you know, it it benefits quite greatly to shorten the bench as you go into the NCAA tournament. You don't have to use many people because of all the additional timeouts you get, you know, the longer timeouts, all that additional stuff. Like, it, it definitely is good to know that Mitch Lightfoot's going to be the first big off the bench, and he is very, or he's been very successful recently. Hopefully that continues. But but that's really what it comes down to me is that I, I don't know that McCormick was, was not playing very much because he was injured in this game. He, he definitely seemed like it was a combination of Lightfoot was playing out of his mind. McCormick, obviously, he's coming off the injury and you want to give him as much rest as possible. But he picked up some quick fouls that really limited his his minutes, um, yeah. which is definitely something I could see happening in the NCAA tournament. So, again, this is more of a good potential for the things that might come up that might throw a, a wrench in the game plan. We have seen way too many teams where, you know, a key guy at a key position gets into foul trouble in, in the NCAA tournament or, you know, has an injury or isn't effective for whatever reason, and it just completely torpedoes the game plan and they have an early exit. I, I don't know that I'm as worried this year about that happening. Not saying it's not going to happen, but I'm not nearly as worried about it going into the tournament now after these last two performances from Mitch. Yeah, and uh, it, it it that was a good point that McCormick did pick up that uh, fairly quick third foul. I think it was right at the beginning of the second half. Um, and uh, yeah, even you know whether whether McCormick was on any sort of design minutes restriction or not, you know there was no reason as he's dealing with that that foot injury to to put him back into the game with Mitch playing the way that he was. Um, I I also think the the contributions they got in in that burst in the second half from Remy Martin was a good, uh, was a good development to see. We kind of, I, I said it on Twitter last night and that during that three or four minute span, we kind of got to see both the good and the bad of Remy Martin because he's got that shot creation and shot making ability that really no one else outside of maybe Ochai has on this team. Um, but he's also susceptible to feeling it a little too much and, and just jacking up early shots in the, in the shot clock that, just really aren't uh, aren't necessary but we saw that burst come back we saw a really strong drive to the lane and a finish with his left hand we saw him hit a step back jumper um it looked to me like Remy's starting to to feel it a little bit too and you talk about uh, 
you know, what, what an asset it is to have Mitch Lightfoot coming in off the bench if he's playing like that. If we can get that version of Remy Martin back headed into the NCAA tournament, I think that's going to be huge too. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that, you know, Bill Self talked earlier in the year about, you know, the kind of looks that you can get from having Remy Martin and or Joseph Yesifu in there with Dewan Harris, like having that, that two-point guard look. I mean, you, you look at the minutes in both of the games so far in the Big 12 tournament. Dwan Harris has had 25 minutes or in the, in the TCU game and Remy Martin had 19 and Yesterfu had 14. Like you are seeing mo- or large stretches of time where you have both of the point or at least two point guards in that can really help with the flow, can really help with a lot of different things. Dwan Harris has taken a step back in minutes, which I think we all expected to happen at some point. I honestly was surprised it happened based off of the way that the season ended. But it's good to see Remy Martin emerge. I think it's good for the team. I think it's good for everybody. It's also good for Dewan. It allows him to focus on what it is that he does best, um, which is, you know, the the distributing the ball. Um, but the fact that he's not the only guy that would distribute the ball, the only guy that can, you know, cut and, and do those sorts of things opens up opportunities for him in the flow of the offense to be able to do a lot more, um, you know, and whipping passes around and all of that stuff. I, I did see someone had mentioned, you know, the whole, oh man, Remy Martin to Ochai, like he just missed it. And I was like, my, my immediate reaction wasn't that, hey, those guys don't have any chemistry and it's going to be a problem come March. It was, no, they don't have any chemistry because they barely played together this year, if you really think about right. it. And so developing that now in the Big 12 tournament, you know, Martin getting all of these additional minutes, that's only going to get better. Hopefully there's enough time that, like, like I would love nothing more than we get to, you know, say the Final Four, and yes, I'm projecting way out there, get to the Final Four and Remy Martin for a chance to go to the championship is like throwing a lob to Ochai that's just perfect because they've finally gotten that connection that they need. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Martin, the question was always going to be how well does he assimilate himself into what Bill Self wants to do? How well is he going to be able to assimilate with the rest of the guys that are here, all the great scores that we have? After everybody came back, like that was the biggest question is we got way too many guys that all could take the ball and all could just do their own thing and score. And Remy Martin was one of them. So how you, how you like bring all of that together has always been the biggest question for this team. Um, for a good portion of the year, we didn't have to worry about it because there was a bunch of people that just weren't playing well. Now everybody seems to be playing well. And it really is a question of how do you get stuff out of everybody that you want to get stuff out of without, you know, taking away from other people that are hot. So now self really can ride the hot hand. He can throw in there. Whoever, whoever is actually going to contribute the most in a particular game the real question is just how do you identify who that is early in the game so that you can ride it. And 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 again, that's what happened with Mitch Lightfoot, I think, over McCormick in the second half. He was just feeling it, you could tell, and Bill Self was able to, to just you know give Lightfoot as many minutes as he possibly could because he didn't need McCormick to come in and try to take the game back over. He didn't want to disrupt that chemistry. So a guy like Martin, a guy like Yesifu, playing significant minutes, doing a really good job with the time that they're actually in there, gives him a lot more options. So if something goes wrong with one of these players, he can do it. It also gives him, you know, a lot more possibilities to find a guy that's just going to absolutely light it up. Yeah, and I think I think it was Jesse Newell who uh, wrote an article not all that long ago about how maybe KU's biggest weakness was uh, the drop off. You know, they've got a really strong starting five, and then when they have to dip into the bench, there's just uh, they're. You know, they're, yeah, they're there's just not much there in, at the time production there. So, yeah, if you if we're starting to see if this isn't just, you know, small sample, you know, good performance in a small sample size um, that we're seeing here in the Big 12 tournament. If you've got legitimate options in guys like Remy Martin and, and Mitch Lightfoot, you know, that that extra flexibility for self, you know, if if somebody gets into early foul trouble, if somebody, you know, just 
turns an ankle and needs to to rest for a little bit. Um, if somebody's just not not feeling it, having those extra options that he can put in there is uh, is huge when you get to a point in the NCAA tournament, well, the entire NCAA tournament where, you know, one bad game and, and it's over. So you, you need to be able to turn to other things when when the main strategy isn't working. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that's really what it comes down to, which, you know, leads us directly into tonight's game because tonight Kansas plays Texas Tech for the Big 12 championship, um, you know, for, for the conference tournament championship. Um, Texas Tech had some issues last night. Uh, you know, that they have the best defense in the nation, according to Ken Palm. Um, so Kansas is going to see quite a bit of a challenge. I mean, looking at this, though, Kansas defense has been getting better and better. You know, they are back in the top 30, according to Ken Palm, um, especially after those last two performances. I am interested to see what is going to happen tonight. But but previewing this matchup, I, I don't know that we necessarily need to dive too deep into the weeds. One, because, you know, it's the third time we're seeing Texas Tech this year. We, you know, a lot of people, for the most part, know what they what they do. Um, but, but what are you, what are you worried the most about for this team going into the game in the, in the conference championship? I hate to bring officiating into it. Um, but I think a lot of how successful Texas Tech and their defense is depends somewhat on the way the game is officiated because they do like to, to put it nicely, draw a lot of charges, um, that I think, um, sometimes depend on, you know, how willing the referee is to, is to give the defensive player the, the benefit of the doubt when they're you know jumping into the path of a driving player, but they also just play really physical defense in general, um, and it's almost kind of like what we what we used to see uh, with some of those Bob Huggins West Virginia teams where they're just so physical they almost dare the referees to call every foul, knowing that most of the time they're not going to. Uh, I think if if it's a loosely officiated game and they're given the benefit of the doubt, drawing some of those charges, then, you know, Kansas could be in some trouble. Um, if if things are called a little tighter, then I think that gives KU's offense a little more freedom to move. Um, we saw in that second matchup, even though it ended up going into two overtimes, Kansas was able to find some success in Allen Fieldhouse uh, against Texas Tech's defense, even though they they gave up that that lead at the end of the second half. Um, so as as much as I hate to call officiating a huge factor in any game, I, I do think with the way that Texas Tech plays defense, it it's at least going to be a factor in this one. Yeah, and and honestly, I think someone made the point on Twitter. I don't remember exactly who it was. Actually, it, it might have actually been Fetch over on the Blue Wings Rising account. Um, or, or maybe he was responding to one that said that. But Texas Tech benefits a lot from almost the desensitization of Big 12 refs to see them game in and game out and the way that they play. Um, I would be I would be worried about Texas Tech going up against a team in the, in the, in the NCAA tournament that they're clearly better than, but the officials are actually calling those, you know, as blocking fouls um, because they have a tendency to kind of slide in or like right at the borderline of where you could call it a charge or a block, but they have such a reputation, especially in the Big 12, for drawing charges that I think they get the benefit of the doubt. I don't think you get nearly as much of that when you go outside the Big 12. But for this particular game, like, yes, it's definitely important to talk about officiating because I think the officiating early in the game is going to set the tone for how this goes. If Texas Tech is able to start drawing charges pretty quickly, um, you know, then it's it's going to be difficult, I think, for Kansas to do the sorts of things that they want to do, which might make it difficult for them to kind of pull away. I really don't expect Kansas to pull away and win this one by a lot. Um 
you know, just because Texas Tech is a good team. They have a decent offense. It's not a fantastic offense, but I mean, their, their offense is in the low fifties over on Ken Palm. So it's not phenomenal by any means, but they do have guys that can score guys like Bryson Williams, who absolutely has killed Kansas on the inside. I, I honestly think that's what's the most intriguing about this matchup, right? Is because Bryson Williams is shifty enough that McCormick hasn't ever really been able to guard him straight up the way he does a lot of big men. Um, yeah. Mitch Lightfoot, though, I think can counter that pretty well. Mitch just wasn't playing well the, the two times that they played against Texas Tech. And I don't, also don't think that Bill Self really had the the quote-unquote trust of, hey, we're just going to let Mitch go out there and do his thing. Like, we need to make sure we get McCormick going. The way that Mitch has played the last two games, I don't think that's a, a, an issue anymore. Like, I, I definitely think that Mitch is who they will turn to if they need someone to, to counter what Bryson Williams is doing. So I fully expect Mitch to have another big game, even more so because of matchup than necessarily just because Mitch is playing phenomenally at this point. So um, I think that's the kind of key that I'm looking for is Mitch versus Bryson Williams, which I'm surprised that I'm actually saying that. Like if you had told me that like three days ago, I would have I would have called you crazy. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Kevin O'Banner as well is is a guy that's going to be difficult, I think, for Kansas to deal with. But, you know, they've done it once before. I'll be interested to see how they match everything up. Um, on the other end, like for the Jayhawks, because it, it, it's, it's kind of funny because of what Mitch did and because of the way that Remy played. We didn't even talk about how great of a game that Ochai had against TCU. Yeah. Do you see him continuing or do you think it's going to take other guys like Christian Brown um, or Jalen Wilson to step up even more for, for Kansas to be able to win the game tonight? I think we we've seen down the stretch that when when really hardly anybody else on the team is providing a whole lot offensively, Ochai, as great as he is, he's not a guy you can just give the ball and say hey, just just go go create your own points. That that's not really his strong suit. I, I think he works a lot better off of somebody else that the defense also has to worry about. Um, so I think as long as they find something else that's working, whether it's Brown hitting a couple of early threes or maybe Remy Martin getting involved and finding ways to get to the basket and draw a couple of fouls, um, or, you know, if Mitch starts scoring from the post again, or if McCormick can get, get going, uh, if he sees a lot of minutes, um, then I, I think that's what allows Ochai more freedom and, and that ability to really start taking over games, um, is, is is when he can work well off of somebody else who's who's also got it going. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I think that's actually going to do it for us today. I don't know that there's much more that we can actually get, uh, like, really, really break down on here. But we did actually – I had put out a call for questions. We did have one question that came in that we kind of answered um, but didn't necessarily go, like, the next step. Asking about Remy's role, what it's going to look like moving forward. Thanks to, to Brian for asking that. I think we're going to actually catch that on the post-tournament – um, podcast so that we can actually talk about that and talk about what it's going to look like for the NCAA tournament. But David, thank you for joining me. Is there, is there any other final thoughts you want to leave everyone with before we get out of here? No, just that, uh, you know, it, it, a win tonight would pretty much guarantee a one seed if it's not guaranteed already. So there is something on, on the line tonight, even though I I'm with you, the big 12 tournament's not the, the highest priority for me as a fan, but uh, it, it's going to be, going to be a fun game to watch. You have to say, I think all the other questions, like the only thing that could be unsuccessful now is if somebody gets injured in this game tonight. So I'm knocking on wood right now. Cause I even, you know, because I brought that thought possibly even into the world, um, counteract that, that bad juju there. But 
Yeah, I mean, as long as something like that doesn't happen, then this tournament has been a rousing success. Kansas, thanks to losses by Baylor and Auburn early in their conference tournaments, has guaranteed themselves, I think, at this point. Like, it's it's absolutely crazy to me that anybody thinks that they're not a one seed at this point, even though that's probably not the most important thing. Like, placement, getting into the Midwest, um, is probably going to be the biggest thing. Or, I mean, I guess, theoretically, the East is, is shaping up to be, you know, okay. I just wouldn't want to be placed in the same bracket as Gonzaga or Arizona at this point, like avoid facing them as, as long as you possibly can. So I think everything is set up, you know, as, as the, as the great Simpsons quote goes, everything's coming up Millhouse for the Jayhawks right now. So let's, uh, let's hope it continues to go that way. And then we can be talking next week about the fantastic matchups that Kansas gets in the NCAA tournament and how they're going to run to a title. So, all right, David, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please go out wherever you get your podcasts, where it's Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the million apps just that are out there. Just go ahead and subscribe. I'm I'm not going to do the whole spiel today, but make sure you go out, subscribe, give us whatever comments you have, rating, review, five stars, nice comments, all that great stuff. Um, but uh, go Jayhawks. We'll, we'll hopefully win that title today, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all, and yes, I want you to be listening to the Tortillas and Tanks podcast presented by 1012 Network. If you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins going to the national championships every year, that just loves to talk about all the success that your program has had, well, then you're probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week, and, and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs and really low lows and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back, crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas, and, and as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.